the churches to do some prayer walking around our city. Now, for some of you who don't know what prayer walking is, it's not T-bowing, okay? It's not that. It's, it's really getting a map. We have a, a map in the back um, today at a table back there. And it basically, we are putting our, our, our city into sections. And there's about 35 churches who are participating to just basically walk through these neighborhoods and areas and pray for the people there. And it's done quietly. It's done without distractions. We just want you to walk and pray for that area. I think, Timberline, we have been assigned about 72 of these sections. And so we have a lot of uh, room, a lot of ground to cover. And so if you could help us, if you feel like God would prompt you to pray for your neighborhood or the areas we've been assigned, um, we're going to emphasize it four times this year where we say during this these weeks, please go walk this area. But you're welcome to walk at any time. But for all the details, go by the table. You can actually sign up and pick Pick up a map tonight of the areas that you want to say, I want that area. So why don't you go back there, take a look, talk to them at the table, and we'll get you going. And we'll be praying for our city, and I believe we'll see the impact of that as God helps us. All right, enough of all that. Hey, what a great series last weekend. Pastor Jeff kicked off Eyewitness News, the book of Mark. And what we're doing is we're just going to go through this verse by verse uh, throughout this year. We'll pause a few times for Easter. We're going to have a different summer series. But for the most part, just stay with us. Read through the book of Mark. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing that we are going to be able to do. Um, Today's message is simply called affirmation or accusation. Affirmation and accusation. Now, the book of Mark, we call it eyewitness news because he goes fast. And if you weren't here last weekend, Pastor Jeff told us that really it's, it's Peter's uh, recollection of the life of Jesus. And if you know Peter and you've studied him in the Bible, he, he goes fast everywhere he goes. Would you agree? And so this, this is a moving kind of story. And so we're just going to pick up little glimpses of Jesus and things that he did and things he taught. Um, I have a question for you, and I want you to think about this. What do affirmation... And accusation have in common. Just think about that in a moment. They probably have several things in common, but the one thing that I want to focus on tonight is this. They, they seem like opposites, but they have something in common. They both can be very effective in impacting our lives. Affirmation is a huge impact in our lives. Accusation, condemnation, and even temptation as we'll see as we study this, have huge ramifications on how we're doing in our, in our lives. And so tonight as we open this up, I just want you to, to think about this and uh, be open as God prepares your heart. Um, number one in your outline, let's get started filling this in, okay? <laughs> Don't be afraid. The affirmation of a father. I want to talk about this. We're moving into the, this moment where Jesus is going to be baptized and something really unique happens. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, I want you to hear this today. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. That's pretty good affirmation. 
coming from a voice out of heaven, <laughs> right? Everyone around is listening to this. They hear this. We are in a culture right now that really is concerning to all of us because of so many fatherless children in our world. Dads are often running away from their responsibilities, and I think the privileges that they have to be a dad. The proper emotional, physical, and spiritual influence over a son or a daughter will often determine the future stability in the life of this child. I've, I've read so many articles this week um, about the fatherless uh, culture that we are in right now, and it leads kids into, listen to some of the, the things that I've, I've read about. Severe depression, obesity, low self-esteem, poor choices in relationship, um, ignorance about how to even have a relationship. Now, I, I realize sometimes it's beyond your control. A single mom's here tonight. God bless you. Thank you. You keep praying. You keep trusting. Let us help you with that. But I want to say to every dad, be the best dad that God's called you to be. Make a difference in the life of your kids. God said to his son, I love you. I believe in you. You are enough. And note, this happened before Jesus did any ministry or any miracles. This isn't at the end when God says, good job, you made it, you did it. This is right in the beginning when he has just, hasn't even launched his ministry yet. The father was not affirming Jesus' accomplishments. He was affirming his son because he loved him. He loved him. Healthy affirmation does four things. And I want you to just, I'm going to bullet through these. It does more than four, but I want to talk about four specifically. Number one, it strengthens healthy thought patterns in your mind. When you are affirmed, something actually happens to you and in you, and it changes you emotionally. And it's a healthy thought pattern that can, that can create this path for you to feel good about who you are and who you've been created to be. When you see someone doing something right, I would like to propose that you tell them about it. I, I think we have a culture like that here at Timberline, and we talk about it sometimes. Let's find some things people are doing right, and let's tell them thank you, and let's tell them good, good job. You know, if you have kids that are on time and ready to go for school when they're supposed to be, it's so great for you to stop and say, do you realize you're on time and you're ready to get on the bus and you're ready to go? Good job. I mean, no, that's a lot better than trying to do the other thing of, you know, getting them in trouble all the time when they're not on time. I, it was so funny the other day, I, I, uh, actually it was yesterday, I went in, we were in a, uh, a store and I went into the restroom and there was a, a, a dad and a son in the, in the stall behind the closed door and I heard this little boy um, say, dad, I can do it, I can do it. And, and dad, dad said, look at you, you're going potty all by yourself. And he said, I heard the little boy say, I'm a big boy, daddy, I'm a big boy. Wow. It was just this affirming thing. How many times do we need to be affirmed to create these healthy thought patterns in our life and in our minds? Number two, this is a continuation of that. It stimulates the desire to repeat godly behaviors with confidence. When, when I'm affirmed for a character trait or something that's godly or right, such as character or integrity, then that's going to help me to repeat that. I, I'll never forget, I, I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I was watching Vicki. Vicki Dix was playing the piano tonight. Her grandpa, uh, the Wolf family is how I know them, in Cedar Ridge, Colorado, Mr. Wolf 
was the camp director of Camp Cedar Edge. Now, we used to have camp meeting up there every summer. And um, I was, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 in that, that age. And, and we would go up there and, and live out of dorm rooms and sleep in bags. And there was about three or four of us running around one night. And one of them had a little pellet pistol gun, like all those little, you know, you pump it and it shoots a little BB. And one of them, there's a light bulb on, on one of the dorms way over on the side. And they said, do you think I can hit that light bulb? And we all said, no, you're not that good of a shot. And so everyone was trying to shoot it. And I said, give me that gun. I can shoot that light bulb out. And I did. And then it dawned on me that I did. You know what I mean? And as a kid, I was, I've always been a real sensitive kid. And uh, I, I, I felt horrible immediately. And we got in our sleeping bags and I started to cry. And I started to ask God to forgive me for shooting out the light bulb. I'll never forget this. And I, I just felt like, like the Holy Spirit spoke to me as a kid and said, you need to go apologize to Mr. Wolf. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go to prison in Alcatraz. I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I, I still remember crawling out of that sleeping bag and knocking on Mr. Wolf's cabin. And he came to the door and he looked at me and he said, Derry? I said, yes. I said, I'm sorry. I burst into tears. I said, I shot out the light bulb with the BB gun. He said, well, come on in. He sat me down and he started to say things like, you've really done the right thing by coming and talking to me. I'm really proud of you. This is what you should, be, you should do when you do something wrong. And so I made a, a nightly trip to Mr. Wolf's cabin telling him what I did wrong every day. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite that bad. But I, honestly, it was, so, it was so rewarding to have someone affirm when you do something you should do. And I just want to encourage us to be those kind of people. Our, the people we work with, the people we work beside, our neighbors, anything we can affirm. Number three, it plants seeds of willingness to affirm others. You know, one of the things that I really believe happens when we get affirmation is we are not afraid to affirm other people. When, when you are healthy in, in your self-image, you are more likely to notice the great qualities in other people because you are not caught in the comparison game. And that is a big thing in our culture today. Question, do you affirm others? Do you notice others? Or is your life so small that all you think about is what others think of you? Because if you could get over that hurdle and, and love who you are in a godly way, then you can actually become someone who affirms others and helps them on the path called life. That's what the Lord wants us to do. That's why the greatest commandment has this little hitch on the end that says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's talking about a healthy kind of, of self-love, not pride or arrogance. Number four, it teaches me, affirmation teaches me to be secure in relationships without it being based on performance stuff only. Um, it's not just because I'm doing something. God's voice came out of heaven and said, this is my son. I am pleased with you. I love you. Go get him. There's something powerful that happens when there's enough security in your relationships that you're not constantly trying to prove anything or perform. I love my kids not based on something they have done or some performance chart. My wife you know, when we are affirmed by those who love us, it allows performance to come from love, not from the need for approval. You with me in that? And there's a, there's a big difference in that. So I still take the trash out, but not so that Bonnie will love me more because she already loves me enough. 
but I do it because I love her and it's one of my jobs. <laughs> I love this quote. Robert Collier says, any thought that is passed on to the subconscious often enough and convincingly enough is finally accepted. Now, if you really think about that, it could go either way, positive or negative, right? So some of you here today who are in that that cycle of just constantly being pressed down and it's convincing you that you're no good and you can't do it, you will, you will learn to believe that lie. And that's why affirmation is such, a, such an important part of our lives. Number, number two, Jesus is going to face some accusation. And I could have put temptation there too because these are very similar. But Satan's going to come and try to pull him away from his mission on this earth. Let's look at the next verse in Mark 1. It says this, The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. Um, Here's the question. Is there any connection to the affirmation being first over the accusation and the temptation? I wonder, I just think in, in the God idea here, the father makes this great statement to his son right before he's about to go face the enemy. How many times could we send people out of our house feeling affirmed knowing they're going to face the enemy today? How, how much better is it for me to walk out of my house feeling loved and affirmed by my wife than just leaving from a bad fight where I'm angry at her and she's angry at me and I stomp out and come and preach on, on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night? then I would, t- I would take it out on you. <laughs> that would not be healthy. It's very important for us to understand the power of this. My fear is that we often go to the wilderness to prove something because we don't feel affirmed and we seek after affirmation by trying to prove that we're good enough. And Jesus did not let this, this cycle win. And that's really the heart of where I'm going with this today. Um, Thoughts to help us face wilderness and accusation. Okay, I think I put four or five things here in your notes that I just want you to just write down and think about this with me. Number one, expect it. The best thing you can do in your life is walk out, of, walk out of here today and say, I expect to be tempted. I expect to be accused. I expect to feel condemned for something because I do have an enemy who wants to take me out. James chapter 1 verse 2. Look at this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You will face temptation. You will face trials. Jesus did. It's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, understand that there is the possibility of a godly response. Now, the reason I wanted to put that in there is because sometimes we get under this this cycle so much that we don't believe we can win. We don't believe there's even a way out. We just get stuck there. How many of you remember the old Flip Wilson saying? What was his saying? The devil made me do it, right? And we know that's not true. The devil can't make you do anything. Jesus knew when he was tempted and tested and accused, he knew there would be a godly response opportunity. 
And, and I love thinking about that in my life. Every time we're tempted to say, okay, what is the godly response here? Number three, make certain you know Scripture, Bible verses. Um, hide the word in your heart. And, and, and that's, that's important because when you do that, you can do what Jesus did when Satan tempted him. In all three of the temptations, which I'm going to go through in just a second, he started his response to Satan by saying what? It is written. Say that with me. It is written. And he quoted from the Old Testament. So there's power in Scripture and knowing the mind and the will of God. Number four, win the mind game through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I, I'm, I'm going to stop here just for a minute and talk about this one a little longer because all sin starts in the mind. It's really important that we get this. You don't, you don't walk out of a store and you look down and your hand grabs something that you stole. And you go, oh, hand, don't you put that back. What are you thinking? You, you don't steal without it starting in your mind. You don't commit adultery without it starting in your mind. You don't, whatever the sin is, it's in your mind. If you win the mind game, you will not have to go through the sorrows of confessing of your sin. And, and it's all in the mind. So here's, let me illustrate it this way. The first thing Satan did, he came to Jesus. Jesus had been fasting, no food for 40 days. He was hungry. And Satan comes to him and says, turn these stones into bread. Now, I don't know about you, that's, that's a huge psychological twisted temptation because he's messing with the physical need. And, and Jesus had to win in the power of his mind because bread would look pretty good to him. <laughs> so he has to say, hold it. Can't live on bread alone. There's more to life than just that. So Satan quickly changes his tone and he says, why don't you jump off this cliff and see if God will catch you? Does God really love you? Now, this is where it's important if you were listening earlier. Jesus just heard the words of his father a few days earlier say, you're the man. I love you. I'm already affirmed. I don't have to tempt God. I don't have to jump so that God... How many times in our lives do we say, God, if you're really up there, prove it by doing this. And it's usually something we need him to do more than he needs to do, right? It's a powerful thing here. And obviously Jesus says, I don't, I don't need that kind of emotional trauma or drama going on in my life. I know who loves me and my father loves me. And then the third temptation was bow down and I'll give you everything you see. I'll give you all this. It's a power and authority temptation. It's the need for more, the need for materialism. How do you break the back of that? You follow God with a whole heart and a clean heart and a, and a pure mind. And if you win the mind game, then suddenly you have a chance of having strength of the Holy Spirit. Wow, how many of you are surprised we're already at the last few blanks? Just be honest here. Here we, here we go. When are we most vulnerable in temptation? I thought I wanted to wrap up this message with, with this idea because I think sometimes we forget that we're all going to be tempted. And, and I feel like this is a, a template that can help us to sort of walk out of this place and say, okay, I'm going to be aware that I need to avoid these places. 
Okay? The, the first one is this. We are really vulnerable to temptation when we are depleted. When you feel depleted emotionally, physically, spiritually, when these things start happening in your life and it just pounds on you and life is pounding on you and finances are pounding on you, what, what happens in your life is you just start looking for a place to get some fresh air. You just need to breathe. And sometimes the easiest solution is something that brings temporary satisfaction because it's just going to feel good right now and I need something that feels good. And so when we're depleted, we need to be extra cautious and careful about how we handle our lives, especially what we're thinking about. Number two, we are really vulnerable after experiencing a victory or a success. Now that seems odd, I know, but they really do go together. Some of the great failures of mankind recorded in history are after a great battle has been won or a great success or a great war or something and they, they have such success that suddenly they are overconfident and they forget that they are still vulnerable. And that feeling of being invincible is a terrible feeling. Do you know how dependent we are on the grace of God? We're dependent on him. We need to know that. So no matter what level of success you experience, don't become overconfident in yourself. Number three is this, when, when we are idle. We really are vulnerable when we become idle. And I started to use the word lazy here, but, but I think there's a difference. You, you don't have to necessarily be lazy to be idle. We, we are born with a, a desire. We are created by God to be productive and find meaning and purpose in, in relationships and in our lives. And so when we lose some of those components, we become idle and we, we lose our way and we just want to sit down and all of a sudden the mind starts going and we can run toward things that we shouldn't be running toward. And the last thing here, we're vulnerable when we are in denial. When we are in denial. If you look at Jesus and you look at what was said about him just in these few short verses, he didn't let any of these things cause him to sin. He was depleted. He, he had experienced great success, the water baptism, his father's voice. Um, he wasn't idle, but he, he certainly wasn't going to be in denial about the reality that he was facing. When we start saying this would never happen to me, it's probably already creeped into your brain. It's probably already happening to you. And I just want to live on the edge enough to say, God, if you don't hold this hand, I'm going to fall off the cliff. I know I will. And I don't want to live afraid, but I want to live in security that he's got me and I'm going to hold on to him. And you and I are the people of God who can say, we will not live in denial, but we will live trusting the word of God to be true in our lives. You guys, your lives make a difference. Your lives make a difference. We can make a difference with each other and we can make a difference in the world. And we are doing that. And it's one person at a time. It's one person at a time. I wanna pray over several things with you. And I'm gonna ask God to really help us as we go into this moment. So just open your heart to him and, and let's have a moment of prayer. Lord, thank you first of all for your word, that it's true. Thank you, Lord, for going through temptation and accusation from the enemy, just like we have to. That you weren't surprised by the temptation, but you battled through it and, and you won. And so we can win. And I thank you for that. 
This is pretty vulnerable. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you just would keep your, your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a minute for those that would feel prompted to just lift a hand. And it's not to me. This is just acknowledgement to God, okay? But you, you need to lift your hand because you're in the middle of a really serious temptation right now and you're not always winning the battle in your mind and you're lured to this place, whatever it is. I'm not gonna go through a list, but you just know you're vulnerable and maybe it's for any of these reasons listed or something else, but you know the Spirit's knocking on your heart right now to say, I am in a season of temptation and I've got to win this thing. I've got to beat this thing through the grace of God, the strength of the Spirit in my life. Would you let me pray over you? and Just slip up a hand and put it right back down. You can put them right back down, you guys. Thank you. It's powerful. It's wonderful to know that. You have the advantage because you're not surprised and it's not going to sneak up on you. Lord, I pray, and, and church, help me pray for these. Lord, there would be victory here, that we're not gonna be naive about this, that we're gonna, we're gonna be men and women of God who will say, I recognize I'm in a battle right now, and I'm being tempted, and this is not something that's healthy for me. And I'm gonna trust you, God, to give these people, every one of them, the strength of the Spirit, and give them the power of their will as they submit to you, to overcome this temptation by your grace and your strength, not their own. Be that God who affirms them for the right decision that they make today, the right decision that they make. I trust you, Lord. I also wanna pray for some of you right now that would just say, I'm just, I'm in the wilderness. Maybe you feel like you're wandering around. It's been 40 days or a few years, but there's a cycle in your life and you can't seem to get back to that purpose and that calling of God. And tonight's one of those nights we're gonna pray over you to just say, help, help this, these people to trust you at a level where they can come out of this wilderness experience. How many of you that just resonates with you? I'm in the wilderness. Hold up a hand. Okay. Lord, we pray for these. It's powerful. As we were singing these songs earlier, Lord, we know, we know that you are a God who loves us and cares about us, and we can respond to you. And this wilderness is not a place you've called us to live our entire lives. It might be a season, and these are real moments, these are real things, but I pray, God, that you would, you would help be an encouragement and strength through your spirit to our brothers and our sisters in this room. We trust you in that. You know, the last thing that I want us to pray over is just how many of you would say you need to know and trust God to affirm you as his son or daughter? You're, you doubt that sometimes. You feel unworthy and you, it causes you to go into that place that's, that's negative and it's not where you want to live. But that affirmation, if God could just through his voice say, I'm proud of you. I do love you. I do have a plan for your life. How many of you long to hear that somehow as a truth from God? Raise your hand right now. Lord, I just proclaim this by your word over these. And as a, as a church, we just proclaim this and we speak life into these who have lifted their hands who need to be affirmed as a son or a daughter of God. They're walking with you. They're seeking after you. There's nothing they can do to earn it or deserve it. It's not about their performance. God, let them feel, let them feel right now in this moment that this is about your decision years ago to love them and to choose them, to walk with you. I thank you for that. And if there be one 
in this room that doesn't know you personally, oh God, who is not even walking in right standing and healthy relationship with you. They're separated from you. Would you touch their heart right now? If you know you're separated from God and you'd love me to pray with you or lead you in a prayer, right where you are, I won't embarrass you or ask you up here, but you know this is your moment. You, you would lift your hand to say, I need the Lord in my life. I need to confess my sin to him. The spirit is, is drawing me right now. Would you lift your hand now, please, if that's you? Thank you, thank you. You can put them right back down. God bless you. It's a wonderful moment and it's powerful. And, and I pray that you can have the same Jesus that we've experienced and why these people got baptized this evening as a declaration of walking in truth with him. So just say this from your heart right where you are. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me right now. I do come to you. I seek guidance from you. I recognize you died on that cross for me and you rose from the dead for me. Help me to forgive myself and to move forward to make a difference, to make a difference in your name. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come up here right now. And for those of you that lifted your hand to accept Christ tonight, we have a packet we'd love to give you. You can come and see any of our prayer team members and they'll help you with that. We want you to go home with some stuff in your hand to get started on the right track. And for the rest of you, as we've been saying, uh, the service starts now. God bless you as you go. Go by the tables in the mall if you want to pray over our city and do the prayer walk. If you're a volunteer, pick up a ticket for Friday night. Love you guys. God bless you.